This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 4th and Inches Network. This podcast covers the Washington Husky softball program with a little bit of baseball mixed in. This week, Trey Konishi and I break down Washington's third sweep in a row, this one coming against the Stanford Cardinal, preview a matchup between a great pitching team, and look ahead to postseason play. Can Washington make it four in a row and continue their 11-game win streak? All of that is coming up here on Turn 2. Hello, Husky Nation. Welcome to this week's episode of Turn 2. I'm Kayla Olin. I'm Trey Konishi. And it's going to be a pretty interesting conversation, a little bit of an up and down almost, just because I think it's safe to say, as we will start out with baseball as usual, that they are no longer contenders to participate in the Pac-12 tournament after winning the series. Here's the up part of the roller coaster against number six, Stanford Cardinal. They won games one and three. That one loss kept UW in 11th in the conference instead of tying them for 10th with Wazoo. So you take this series, their loss to Gonzaga earlier this week, and the dogs sit at 18 and 24 overall in the season and eight and 16 in conference play. So I think that basically solidifies their season as they will have one more series to go next week. Yeah, it's been a rough year for them. But then then you watch them play against Stanford and they won two out of three. And, you know, Stanford's a really good team. So it's a little bit of a head scratcher. It's like, where was this team throughout the whole entire season? But good series win, but overall, not a good, not a good year. Not a good year at all. But some people who did have shining moments and against Stanford starter Jared Ingman, he got the start in game one. Held Stanford scoreless over six complete innings, giving up just six hits with no walks, seven strikeouts in game one, getting that big upset, which kind of, you know, did it give them the confidence to win game three? Maybe. Yeah, I think it did. Um, he had a really, really good game, game one. Um, he looked really good. And then kind of game two. I was going to was... say my notes are pitching and then in all capitals struggled <laughs> and then underlined yeah. like four times. Yeah, Calvin Kirchhoff came in and I mean he got through four and two, uh, three and two thirds of an inning, but you know he gave up three runs. Um, and then that game three, that was just an offensive game overall, which was um, funny because Stanford was up seven <laughs> one, and then UW just came alive in that last game. Can we officially say that Stanford cooked it? Is that, is that, are we calling that? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) All right. Stanford cooked it game three. And kind of like you mentioned, just the pitching struggles. I think that has been, we talk about them struggling this season. I think just pitching struggling is the best way to describe how their season went along with game two. You mentioned Calvin Kirchhoff having, you know, giving up three runs on six hits. There was also no walks, but no strikeouts either. And they went through three pitchers themselves. So couldn't really get anything going. But I think what was pretty cool about what you're talking about is this offensive game that kind of had some double-digit football scores there is Washington putting up eight of their 11 runs in the final three innings. Kind of how you were saying you start in the ninth, bottom of the ninth, you're down two, 
and then a couple walks helps get UW runners on base along with a hit batter. After a couple of scored runs with McKay Barney up to bat, he checked his swing on the ball in the dirt, quickly got away toward the third base dugout, sending the catcher scrambling. And so with a wide open home plate, Ben Smith ran down, slid headfirst across home plate to get that walk-off win. And so is that even a walk-off or is that a slide-off win? Either way, it was a great recap and a great great way to end that weekend. Yeah, I think game three, A.J. uh, Guerrero, he had a monster game, three RBI game, home run. And then also Josh Earps, that three-run home run he hit was – really helped this team win this game. Those are some Bailey Klinger numbers. Yeah. They exactly. heard they heard fans across the way cheering for softball and they're like, okay, we gotta step up our game. <laughs> yeah. But Washington will have a chance to get another series win as they will play at home again against the number eight UCLA Bruins, who are second in the conference behind Oregon State have a 14 and seven record 30 and 13 overall game times are Friday, the sixth at seven Oh five Saturday, the seventh at two Oh five and Sunday, the eighth at 12 Oh five PM. So, you know, they seem to be doing a lot better against these ranked teams in the top 10 because they held their way with Oregon state that number two in game one before they ended up losing the series. But overall, when they play those better teams, it's, it's almost like they play better. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think about it and I'm thinking, are they playing to the level of their competition, especially how they play against these really, really good teams? And you got to wonder what's what's been going on against these teams that are far less superior as the UCLA's, as the Oregon State Beavers and uh, Stanford. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, we will talk about baseball one more time in the next show before kind of ending and wrapping out their season as they wrap it out as well. But, you know, we do want to have a baseball podcast. We're still growing the fourth and inches network. We hope to have one by next spring. So we'll hopefully get you a lot more detailed analysis next season, but until then you got to deal with Trey and I, so sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Overall back on the roller coaster we go. And it kind of really only goes up from here as Washington got their Third sweep in a row, this one coming against the Stanford Cardinal with two of the three wins being shutouts. You include their non-conference win over Utah Valley earlier this week, and the Diamond Dogs are on an 11-game win streak. That puts them at 33-11 on the season, 12-6 and in conference play. That makes them comfortable in third place, just behind ASU in first and UCLA in second. Overall, the dogs went 11 and one in the month of April and coming off their bye week after that Arizona series that you and I just cried through the Huskies are 11 and 0. So they're playing some good ball. Yeah, they are. They're playing really good ball. And especially the pitching, the pitching has really stepped up to hold Stanford to one run in three games. That's very impressive. We'll and the bats it. came alive too. We'll take it because I think you and I, in our previous show, we talked about how Stanford doesn't live and die through their pitching, but it's their bats that really keep them going. And how you're mentioning they put up double digit runs their following series. I believe it was against UCLA as well. So to hold them to one run was a monstrous week for Washington. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious as to what your top play is of the week, because 
I think it could go a few ways, whether it is going to be pitching or batting. Yeah, I'm going to go with batting this time. Um, Give Gabby a break. No, I'm I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And she was actually the player of the week last year. I think she deserves it again this week. Um, Madison Husky. You looked at game one. She hits two home runs. She drove in three out of the five runs. She had a huge game. And then on top of it, game two, she goes two for three with a double and also scored in a run. You know, she had a really, really good series again. And, you know, she had a really big series, last series against, uh, against us. Who did they, who did they play last uh, week? Oregon. Oregon, yeah. She had a big series then. So she's really starting to hit the ball really, really well. I almost feel like her and Bailey just can't have two really good series just because, and I mean, again, not knocking Bailey Claire because she's been like MVP of the season so far for Washington in terms of batting. But as Bailey Klinger has been quiet now the last couple of series, who are we talking about? Madison Husky. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I said this last week, I expected Madison Husky because she, she's not a freshman, you know, she's, she's been with this team for a while now. And I, I had high expectations for her. Unfortunately, beginning of the season, and really half, really up until this past couple of weeks, you know, we didn't really see results or any, any growth from last year to this year. But the way she's been playing these past couple of weeks, she's really starting to look like one of the leaders on the team and especially getting ready for postseason. I think that's crucial that she continues to have a hot bat. And you you just wrap that up perfectly. So we're going to go out of order and we're actually going to start batter's box breakdown now because you're touching on somebody who, like you said, is getting hot at the right time. And that's exactly what Washington needs as, you know, you start to move into the postseason where it's winter out and you play to stay. So her two run home run game in day one, I think that really set the tone and the precedent for the rest of the series in the weekend. So moving forward, I think that it's very important that if she moves up in the lineup a little bit or continues to have that multi-hit games during the series, she had those five RBIs. It's it's going to be huge for Washington. And I think overall, she was definitely the shining star in that batter's box. Yeah, absolutely. And I also give it to Kelly Lynch, especially game one. She had that two RBI base hit to left field. Yeah, which was big, especially when you kind of look at you know, Washington did put up quite a few runs, but not, not, not the kind of numbers that they did against Oregon that series before they're putting no. up three or five runs in this game. And so all of those doubles and these home runs and the five RBIs, that's, that's a game. That's a game to say decider right there. Yeah, absolutely. And then somebody else who we were when we started this podcast, we praised her and then got quiet during that, and I'll call it a lull during the lull of Washington season when they were losing the series to Cal, who is in second to last place in the Pac-12 conference for <laughs> softball. And then, you know, just kind of not doing well against Arizona. So Olivia Johnson is somebody who is really rising with the tides as well, getting her first home run since April 1st at Arizona. 
in the second inning of game two. So that's almost four weeks of no home runs when her first at bat as a Husky is for a home run. And then her next two after that as well. So good to see her getting her group back as well. Yeah. And it's, it was a huge home run too, considering they only won the game two to nothing. So yeah, it also had some distance on it too. I think that ball's still floating in Montlake somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What was uh, curious though, if we look at game three, they, they won three to one, but what was curious, what was funny about that game was all the runs were either fielder choice or sack flies. There wasn't like an RBI base hit or any home runs in that game. Which is almost, I think some coaches might prefer. What are you going to take? Are you going to take that, you know, sack fly or are you going to make them work for it? And I think that's kind of, we talk about Bailey Klinger being a little quiet. She is one of those sack flies that we were talking about or a fielder's mm-hmm. choice as well. So it, it's hard on the defense. It puts some pressure. It makes them think a little bit more and keeps them on their toes. So while it's not a high scoring game, the bats were still just as effective. Yeah. Yeah, they were, except in game three, they had two hits total. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that's the worst that they play and they come away with a win against a decent Stanford team, then I'll take it. Yeah. So somebody take else to mention get. is Jen Cummings. She extended her base streak to six games. So she's getting her bat working. She's being consistent at the plate, which is always a good sign, especially from a someone who's turning out to be a leader for this Washington team. Yeah, she is. Um, You know, she's still pretty young, um, but I do think she has that leadership role, um, which will help them. Because I think overall, I think this team does have some strong leaders. I think with Bailey, with Sammy, with Gabby, I think she can definitely be a vocal point with this team. And I just like Madison Husky and a couple other players as well. Especially with her kind of behind the plate there, having that leader who is confident behind the plate at the plate. I think all around, that's going to be a really good combo for Heather Tarr and company in the next couple of years. Yeah. What would you grade the batters this week? Um, I think considering how good the pitching of Stanford is, I would probably give it around a B, B plus, because even though they only had two hits, they were able to get runners home, um, like you mentioned before. Um, and, you know, with the sack fly being able to get the runner from third to home, even though it was an out, still counted as an RBI. Um yeah, it and doesn't hurt your average, so it's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and especially the big game, the, the big game one and two by Madison Husky and Kelly Lynch having a big game. I think that really helped. The only reason why I want to give it a higher grade is because I think I think you got to knock him down a little bit for only having two hits the whole entire game in game three. I would 100% agree with you. I was kind of along the same in terms of a B, B plus. Uh, I think that they looked good, but at the same time, 
I would probably like to see a little bit more patience at the plate. I think some of them went down swinging a little too quickly, mm-hmm. um, especially at some where not getting the best look and just when you're facing a lot better pitchers, just being a little bit more patient, getting better cuts overall. So I would agree. I'd go BB plus as well. And then yeah. moving on to in the circle, it's hard to not start with anybody but Gabby. And you already touched on her being the Pac-12 pitcher of the week from that Oregon series. In game one, she tossed her 14th complete game, ninth shutout of the season. And that game one struck out seven while allowing no walks and only four hits. And then she also got her 16th win of the season after tossing seven innings, allowing only one run on four hits with nine strikeouts there in that third game. And with her, it's just all around looking so much better. And in the last six games in total, Gabby has allowed only two earned runs. So that's an outstanding stat. It is when we talk about how she did beginning of conference play, how we've thought that, you know, only giving up two runs per game from her was, was decent considering in the past used to, she gave up six runs or, or four or five. So again, like we talked about Madison Husky, she's getting hot at the right time, especially with postseason. But another pitcher who we've really been critical about um, who I thought really stepped up was Pat Moore. She came in game two after Kelly Lynch had an outstanding four and two thirds of an inning with no runs given up, 5K, five hits. And she looked incredible. She retired seven in a row. She gave up no hits, no walks, and struck out six out of the seven batters she faced to close the game. Yeah, that was even a season high for her, were those six Mm -hmm. strikeouts. And that included her second save of the year. So, you know, is it a knock on her for only being her second save of the year or – Is it just Gabby's getting a lot more complete games than usual? Maybe a little bit of A, maybe a little bit of B, but just even getting that confidence back. And I think it's all coming down to confidence. Baseball and softball, such mental games. And it's hard to be the pitcher, to be the person who has to touch touch the ball every single pitch. And she's looking night and day difference from when you and I were first maybe talking about her and losing the lead against Arizona or Cal. Yeah, she's she's getting hot again at the right time. Um and then Lynch my only issue with Lynch is just level of consistency. You know, you go back to to last week against the Oregon game, she can't even pitch a full inning, you know, and she gets absolutely destroyed by the bats of Oregon she gave up what like five runs and two-thirds of an inning yeah that grand slam yeah and then you go the week before that when she hasn't apps has like a best game of her life against Oregon 13 14 strikeouts or Or, something crazy like like that yeah strikeouts and then she comes back this past weekend and pitches a really good game you know she made it with two outs in the fifth inning with only giving up five hits and no runs and five K's. So I guess the level of consistency is something that concerns me a little bit, especially coming into this next series. Um, so I, 
I'm happy with how she pitched, but you know, after an incredible week weekend against Oregon, I ex- against Oregon State, I expected her to build confidence against Oregon, but it, she declined um, from the week before. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned about that. Yeah, and kind of we've touched on it a little bit and we're going to talk about it just a little bit more and emphasize it a little bit more as we are wrapping up regular season and looking ahead to some postseason play with regionals, super regionals, world series potentially. And you have to be able to provide Gabby playing with some support and have the confidence and the ability to be consistent enough to where Gabby can take a day off or to where you can have somebody we're not going to say the same caliber as Gabby right now, because Gabby's a Washington record setter and just, just knowing that you can rely on somebody to be consistent, I think is going to be the biggest maybe area to watch for the softball program moving forward in the next few weeks. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an issue they have they they don't have because I think now we can say that Gabby is consistent now I mean she's the just the past two series she's pitched absolutely incredible and it's not like it's you know one game where she's pitches incredible it's both games it's you know three games she goes out there and pitches in the Oregon series so I think her consistency is where we expected it to be at the beginning of the year, but you know, a little bit of time. (laughs) Yeah. It took, it took a lot of time actually. I mean, it took basically all the way up until these last couple of weeks to, to see consistency with her, but you know, once you get into postseason, you you can't expect her to pitch every single game. You know, you're going to have to pitch, you're going to have to have another pitcher, whether that's Lynch or whether that's Pat Moore. Um, one name who didn't play at all was Brooke Nelson, who who's also a pitcher. Um, they, they need to have that level of consistency. And hopefully as the season starts to close, we can see that when they play Utah next. Yeah. And, you know, even a little bit further ahead than the World Series is – is Kelly Lynch going to be the person who takes Gabby Plain's spot as a starter next season? Because yeah, Gabby is on her way out and Washington fans knew she would be the next uh, Taylor Atley and or uh, Taryn. And so having that confidence and just being able to start like that as a freshman with Gabby and now seeing her as a senior has been fantastic, but we haven't seen a Gabby 2.0 in the works just quite yet so something to think about you were we're a year away but (laughs) (laughs) never too late what would you grade the pitchers oh i'd give it an a i I don't think i've given an a so far this season an an unearned a yeah (laughs) (laughs) and the reason why i'll give you an a and why i will give them an a is he only gave up one run in three games which is extremely impressive against really any team to only allow one run in the whole in in three full games I think it's really impressive and I think players who 
struggled against Oregon, like Lynch and, and, and Pat Moore really stepped up and looked phenomenal. I mean, I think Pat Moore, that was the best that I've seen her ever. Just even though it was only two and a third, she, she looked absolutely incredible along with Kelly Lynch. And then Gabby, she's just, she's just on a different level. <laughs> yeah, we have pitchers, we have UW pitchers, and then we have Gabby playing. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And that's how it is. But overall, I would agree with you. I would go in A. You can't ask for much more than no. three shutouts, right? So kudos to them. Hopefully it keeps up because the number nine dogs are on the road to take on the Utah Utes down in Salt Lake City who are tied for last with the Cal Golden Bears. We know how that worked out last time. Cal did take the series. So this is not a for sure win, Washington fans. Utah is sitting at 24 and 24 overall with six and 12 on the season. Here's Here's the kicker though. Winning some big games, for instance, They've won against UCLA. They won against ASU. Game times are Friday the 6th at 4 p.m., Saturday the 7th at 1 p.m., and Sunday the 8th at 11 a.m. So just like last weekend, the Utah Utes, that huge upset, kind of like I mentioned, in game three against the UCLA Bruins, which was UCLA's first home loss of the season. And it gets better than that in a shutout. Utah did it in five innings. With this being the second to last series in conference play, all of these wins and losses do matter. They do. Yeah. And the thing about that UCLA series for Utah is they only gave up three runs in three games to an incredible UCLA team. So they have pitchers, um, but they're in the same boat as us where they're just not consistent. I mean, they've they've had games like that Arizona State series where they would give, give up 10 runs, they gave up 12, like the least amount of runs they gave up in that series was eight. So their level of consistency is 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 not there. Um, but when their pitchers are right, they are an impressive team to watch. Um especially when they played UCLA. Yeah, and they also lost the series to Arizona. We were talking about Arizona not winning a conference game until Washington went down and met them in Tucson. So Arizona, is it that they're just a sleeper team that everyone has been sleeping on? Or is it that Utah is struggling and was struggling like Washington was in terms of finding the right rhythm. But I think it kind of worries me a little bit that Utah might be getting hot towards the end now, just because say what you want about it being a Pac-12, say what you want about softball and anyone can win on any, on any given day. You're talking about a top five, they're number three in the nation. So UCLA to get not even lose, but to get shut out by Utah tells you just how good this youth's team can be. Yeah, they, yeah, they, um, yeah, I, that's really impressive. Even their losses were, even though they didn't have bats, it was, they still pitched phenomenal. I mean, I would, I would take only giving up two runs to UCLA any, any day of any the week. Any given day. 
Yeah. And you talk about pitching, and that's definitely going to be somebody to really, really watch for. Somebody I think is going to be Sydney Sandez, who made her 17th start in 29 appearances in that UCLA game three. She allowed no runs on four hits. So it's not even that bases were loaded multiple, multiple times, but there's only four hits and only had three strikeouts, but that doesn't matter. You get the win. She doesn't allow very many walks either. So she makes you earn every at bat, just all around a very disciplined pitcher might be the best way to describe her. Yeah. And then also I'd say uh, shy Smith as well. She pitched three innings in the shutout win against UCLA and only gave up one hit, one walk and two K. So with those two combined against the Bruins, they only give a five hits the whole entire game and only walked one. So this is also a team that doesn't walk a whole lot of batters. She is a great replacement in the circle and mm-hmm. definitely earned her team leading ninth win after replacing Sanders. So she can either act as kind of a Kelly Lynch where she can come in or a Pat Moore where she can close it out, but then she can also be a Brooke Nelson who can start. So these two pitchers are going to be someone for Washington fans to really watch out for, because if Washington was struggling hitting against Stanford, I don't see, I don't see it getting any easier against Utah. No, not at all. As for maybe hitting, this is where some things get interesting because they have some pretty good bats as well. For instance, um, Elisa Bonstrom is huge threat offensively, defensively. She's had a single game where she was responsible for 10 putouts and five RBIs batted in, in one game. So can do it, <laughs> can do it on both sides and then has a three, nine, three ERA on 122 plate appearances with 39 ribbies and 11 home runs. So those are some pretty good numbers. Yeah. I'd also say Haley Dennings. Um, she's her leadoff shortstop. She's batting, I want to say like 375 this season. Um, she's a junior this year, but she... She's had some pretty impressive game, a lot of multi-hit games where she goes three for five or four for four or two for three, three for four. Um, So she can really hit the ball uh, good. She doesn't hit a lot of power, but she can get on base. And that's kind of the same as uh, freshman Kendall Lundberg. She has a big bat as well. Again, not power like you were saying, but she has a 3-4-2 ERA with 10 ribbies and 30 on 38 plate appearances. So she's kind of, I think a good comparison might be not necessarily Olivia Johnson in terms of power, but not getting a plate appearance every single series or every single game. And the number that really stands out to me the most on 38 plate appearances is only two strikeouts. So she puts the ball in play. She puts it out of reach of players to get singles and doubles. Again, not the big home runs, but if you have people on base, whether it's a single or a double, 
that's that's just as threatening as a home run because it can still result in runs. Mm-hmm. Especially with that low strikeout number, it, it also shows she's a disciplined batter. You know, she doesn't doesn't take bad pitches or doesn't swing at bad pitches for for strikeout. She she puts the ball in play. Yeah, I would kill for only two strikeouts on 38 yeah. plate appearances <laughs> when I was playing. That's for sure. So it's going to be tough, especially when we talk about the pitchers for Washington and being consistent. And then we talk about these disciplined batters for Utah. If Washington's not consistent and if they are having a bad day, Utah will definitely make the Huskies pay for it. Absolutely. And it makes things worse. They got to go to Salt Lake city too, this weekend. So they don't, they don't get them home. So they don't have to crowd back in them up. Exactly. But you know, hopefully next series, it's going to be a big series that we do talk about next week. Washington will be at home. So hopefully that helps a little bit more, but how can Washington really get a win? And I think you touched on it. I touched on it, but the pitchers and backup pitchers specifically need to pull through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it starts with Gabby Lynch, just, or sorry, Gabby Plain. <laughs> I thought you were like meeting both of them or they just had a child. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go with both. Gabby Lynch. So yeah, just combine Gabby and Kelly. <laughs> I think yeah, it starts if we with could, If we could have both of them, that'd be great. Yeah, both of them need to have a big game. Uh, we, we've talked about Kelly. Uh, it, the thing about her that frustrates me is, we know that she can be this dominant pitcher. I mean, we, we've seen it so many times. We've seen it against Oregon State. We've seen it this past weekend against Stanford. And then she has series where, you know, you're you're just scratching your head and wondering what she's doing out there, especially <laughs> games where the team you know, isn't as good offensively, but they're just ripping her. Um, and especially the, the Oregon game, you know, giving up the grand slam in the first inning, giving up five runs and two thirds. So I think she needs to have a big game in order for them to, to do anything. And then I think offensively, I think just the consistency of Madison Husky, I think she's arguably one of the reasons why she won this past series, uh, with Stanford. And I think it starts with the players who kind of went a little bit downhill, but are starting to, to get with it like the Olivia Johnson's. And now that we have Sammy Reynolds healthy back to hundred percent, I think it starts with that top of the order and some of the leaders that we expect them to, to do well. Yeah. And you know, you also have to limit mistakes. UCLA Mm -hmm. had three errors and Utah capitalized on them to extend innings, drive in runs. And that's ultimately what led to the Bruins downfall. And that loss is just errors. And we've seen Washington in previous series and in previous games have two errors every single game in the series, and then they lose the series. So it's, they, they need to, they need to not have those mistakes. They need to play good baseball. They need to play smart. My goodness, baseball, good softball. They need to play smart softball and just try not to have errors. I know they happen, but, but try not to. 
Well, yeah, especially if we look at if we look at this last series, Espinosa, and I'm gonna call her out on this. <laughs> Please do. But Please do. How about four errors combined in three games? Yeah. It that was, uh, by one player. I was watching through my fingers. I think the last time I watched a player through my fingers was when Tristan Viscano was kicking the field goal against Utah to, to, <laughs> yeah. to win in the final two. That was the last time I watched a player through my fingers and I was getting like flashbacks. It was bad. <laughs> so yeah, just they can't afford to have four errors in what two games by 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 a player that not, not only that if you do it at least do something better or mm-hmm. right afterwards give me a great if you're gonna give up two errors in a game give me a grand slam <laughs> to like offset the pain a little bit yeah but that kind of also goes into my other one on just the bottom half of the lineup needs to continue to step up and I know that's something that you were saying as well but when the bottom half steps up, it also allows for some huge opportunities for the top of the lineup to come in and drive runs home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially if the bottom part of the lineup starts to do well, I think that just helps. I think this the whole lineup because if you look at the top of the lineup, it's a really strong. I'd say first four or five especially with Sammy leading off and then you have Bailey and then you have Olivia Johnson in there and Madison Husky. Those are four really strong bats and they can get on base and they can hit the ball hard. If the bottom of that order starts to, to heat up, I think this team is really dangerous, especially going into and playing teams for pitching is a weakness. Exactly. And so we kind of have really set the picture on this great matchup and what's at stake here. We kind of talked about how there's only one more series after this. So if UW can pad their wins before facing the number one team in the conference next week, the ASU Sun Devils, that will help with some wiggle room come regionals decision time. Washington is sitting pretty comfy in third right now, but kind of like we've been saying lately is all of these wins matter. All of these losses hurt. So a a lot is at stake, even though it doesn't seem like it right this second. Yeah, it is. Um, And I I think it's very important, especially before they play (laughs) Arizona State to get the series win. Um, I don't, I think, even if they lose one to Utah, I think they're still in really good shape. Um, and I guess for my predictions with this series, I'll probably say I probably I think they're gonna win this series. Um, I think they're gonna win two out of three games. I think they're gonna drop one of maybe possibly the the middle game, um, especially if if it's an off day for, for, for Gabby and Kelly Lynch or Pat Moore has to step up to the, uh, to the circle um, and pitch against them. I'm a little bit concerned about that, but I think with Gabby starting, I'm pretty confident that we can get a win, especially with how she's been pitching. 
yeah, it's going to be big. And I mean, I will take a loss to Utah, even if it is a embarrassing loss. I will take that if Washington can get a series win against ASU next week, which you and I definitely will be back here to preview. But I'm actually going to go ahead and say we have a four sweep streak. And I'm going to say that Washington sweeps Utah. That would be great. <laughs> I know I was wrong last. I said, they're only going to win one against Stanford. Look at me yeah. there. <laughs> UW is laughing at me right now. They're like, okay. Okay. Kayla. <laughs> so hopefully I'm right this time and you're wrong because last time you, had we were both them. wrong. You called those series win at least. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was way off. <laughs> But okay, that's our predictions. You think they drop one? I think we get the sweep. And just some other business to touch on a big congratulations to the Washington Golf for winning the Pac-12. Congratulations there. And then congratulations to Kyler, Trent, Cade, and Luke all for getting drafted during the draft that just happened this last weekend. And then other players like race and Buki and Ryan finding homes elsewhere being invited to the mini camps. So that's big as well. And then happy mother's day because you know, mother's day is also Sunday. So make sure you say happy mother's day and enjoy. I mean, we're in may, hopefully some nice weather. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully right now it's doesn't look great, but yeah, it doesn't look too good, but if you can, we talked about baseball earlier in the show here. They are at home against UCLA. So go out, support them. I believe it is senior night. So it might be the last time that you can see baseball this season. So make sure you do that. And Trey and I will be back next week to recap, hopefully, a fun Utah win and sweep, maybe, fingers crossed. And yep. then we will preview the final conference series against the top of the Pac-12, the ASU Sun Devil. So you're not going to want to miss it. Until next time, I'm Kayla Olin. I'm Trey Konishi. Go dogs. Go dogs.